Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Crail, and today I'm joined by Paul Third, Paul Chalk, and Andy Skinner. How are we, guys? Hey, good, thanks. Oh, good, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm brilliant this morning. I won't tell you why I'm brilliant, but I am feeling fantastic. It's been a another interesting week. The season has concluded for Aberdeen and Ross County, so we'll talk a little bit about their final games. Inverness are still going, they're still in Premiership playoff contention. That will obviously form a big part at the end of this week's podcast as well as we preview their playoff final against St Johnston. But yes, let's start with the Dons who concluded their season with a 0-0 draw at home to St Mirren. It was a microcosm of the season, it'd be safe to say. Aye, but then again, Jack Alwick was, was terrific, actually. it was As end-of-season yeah. meaningless games go, it was actually one of the better ones. Uh, 14,000 yeah. there, I think the vast majority were there to say cheerio to Andy Considine rather than uh, the the game itself, but uh, it was okay, it was okay. It petered out a bit when Andy went off. You could think the atmosphere kind of dropped, you could, you could hear that, but... Uh, I think we're still all glad it's over, though, <laughs> to be fair. We're glad it's all over. Um, it's what happens now that really matters. Yeah, you're right. I did actually kind of forget a little bit there about Amuk's performance, even though I think I said to you in the office earlier this week that another day the Dons would own 3-0. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's probably just the trauma from how the season has gone that I'm kind of reflecting back on the weekend's game. But, yeah, my next question, actually, was going to be, what did you make of the Considine farewell there was a guard of honor before the game there was both sets of fans applauding him i think i think on and then applauding him off when he uh, suffered an injury unsurprisingly given how little football he's played this season in the second half it was quite emotional jim goodwin's comments after the game i thought were uh, quite strange in that they seem to suggest he maybe regrets how things have gone to the point where I don't know, given his time again, would Considine be remaining at the club? What did you kind of make of all that? It was fascinating. Um, the the departure, first of all, I mean, it was an emotional day. Um, players retire and move on after long periods of service all the time. But Big Andy's departure seems to hit differently for some reason, I would say. Um, maybe it's because he's such a, a cult hero. He's one of their own, so to speak. And I think maybe if it's when you're watching that game, you're realising... You're watching him pull on a Don shirt for the last time after, what, 571 appearances. That does tug at the heartstrings of an Aberdeen fan a little. But if you take all the emotion out of it, he cruised through that game before having to go off after taking a knock early in the second half. Um, If you've met Considine, you know he's a total pro, a popular guy in the dressing room, and most importantly, on the pitch, he seems to improve with every passing season at the club. And I think that's maybe what Jim Goodwin has come to realise in the last five, six weeks, now that he's had the player back on the training ground and seen him working and how he's interacting with the players. Would he do it differently? I don't know. But it was Goodwin's call to make and the decision's been taken, whatever anybody thinks about it. I I still think it could have gone a lot better, but what I do know as well is we're going to miss him. Really going to miss him at Aberdeen. You've seen that this season already, given how the team's performed at the back without him. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Actually, so, sorry. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it, it's the performance that they've they've had defensively without him this season that that surprises me as to why he's not been given the chance by a, a new manager coming in. Um, I mean, Considine's been out since what August, September time, I think. Um, and 
you know what Aberdeen have really need, needed in that time is a bit of stability at the back and um, you know just that that figure I suppose that can 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 be that cohesive influence. Uh, when I look at Considine coming back to fitness towards the end of the season, I think that's you know the perfect time for for him to have been judged by by Jim Goodwin. Um, you know even looking into next season as well. Uh, I just I find it really surprising that uh, that the mind was kind of made up so early on on this one, um, given you know what Thirty says there that the evidence shows he does tend to to get better and you know the chances are after a, a long term injury like he's had there would be that that determination and, and drive to um, really kick on again and, and be better than than ever next season. I think a lot of fans also made the comment afterwards. It was. It was it was rife on social media the fact that they felt David Bates had looked the best that he'd looked for a, a substantial period of time playing next to Andy Constein as opposed to playing next to Declan Gallagher and we've talked enough about the Declan Gallagher and David Bates partnership and where it's maybe fallen short this season. We obviously the other part I found quite interesting that those Jim Goodwin comments after the game was he said that Andy Constein or he heavily um, implied that Andy Constein was the only player told that he didn't have a future at the club that had shown maybe the right attitude in the last few weeks in terms of training. Yeah, he was the only one. He, how was it he put it? Out of all the guys who I've decided are leaving, he's the only one that can feel aggrieved about the decision, given how he's responded to it and maintained a professional positive attitude and basically been turning up. Because that's, that's what I took from it. It was actually a damning indictment of the other players who have been told they don't have a future because the manager hung them all out to dry saying there's been a lot of toys thrown out the pram since uh, players have been told that they're, they're not part of my plans. And, and I, I, that's poor. That is poor if, if that is the case. And we just have to take the manager's word on that at this point. But yeah, it's, it just shows, it points again to the, the underlying issues that seem to be prevalent at Petodri this season. And I, I was driving back um, on the road actually from Aberdeen over the weekend and I heard Jim Goodwin on, on the radio and I thought it was another hard luck story from, from Aberdeen where he pointed the finger at the, the referee um, for the, the penalty call that, that wasn't given or, or overturned and I thought here here we go I, again it's been the story of the season for, for Aberdeen but then when I obviously watched the footage it, it was a penalty and you're quite right the St Mirren goalkeeper was in a, it should have been a victory for, for Aberdeen to send the fans happy with but um, yeah a nil-nil draw but uh, yeah as we say big summer ahead well I would say a penalty according to how the referee decided to overrule it but the referee didn't seem to be aware at all that Bates had pushed um, who was it who was it again the St Johnson player no the St Mirren player it was uh, Tanzer Scott Tanzer a, a player that I believe Derek McInnes actually looked at for Aberdeen in the past uh, but yeah, I mean, if he'd made it by that, that if he'd seen that evidence, maybe that would have swayed things. Uh, that well, it wouldn't have swayed things because he didn't give the pen, but it would have been a reason, a legitimate reason for not giving the pen. We got confirmation this week of the Dons' end of season departures: Funzo Ojo, Dylan McGeek, Michael Ruth, Adam Montgomery, and Teddy Jenks. Then their loan spells. No real surprises there. I think we're maybe expecting more surprises. Um, Paul, you've started writing a series for the Press and Journal. Well, it's written, but it's not all been released yet, so this is privileged information. <laughs> but uh, looking at the four areas of the pitch, goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders and attackers, and sort of weighing up what Jim Goodwin needs to bring in in each sort of area this 
summer if his rebuild is going to be a success or you know if the Dons are going to have to a certain extent a team to put on the pitch at the start of next season when the League Cup gets underway so let's have a little chat about that he started with the goalkeepers and how I read the piece was that all the mood music is saying and has been saying even during the Stephen Glass period at the club at the start of the season that we'll see a keeper come in to Pataudry this summer to challenge Joe Lewis and we maybe expect Gary Woods the backup keeper at the moment to to leave the club is that a fair assessment it'll, well I it, it looks that way to me I mean I, Gary Woods is the obvious one just given he's he would be on less money than Joe Lewis and he's only got one year left of his contract as opposed to the team captain who's got two years and is he's been in with the bricks let's be honest um, it would be a bigger shock if Joe was to leave out of the two, but hey, anything's possible. There's lots of reasons could be behind a departure, of course. But um, yeah, there's, there's certainly there's going to be a goalkeeper. It points to Vaclav Hladky of Ipswich being that guy they want, um, because obviously Goodwin was looking at Alwick only for him to go and and move on to Cardiff uh, prior to Goodwin coming in. Stephen Glass was very keen on um, Xander. Clark at uh, St Johnston as well. So it's it's the two managers have both been agreed that we need another goalkeeper in there, whether that's first choice or just to get the other goalkeeper, whoever they keep on on their toes and playing at a higher standard. I don't know, but there's certainly that, that starting with the goalkeeper, there's going to be one coming in for sure. You feel well. Uh, you feel the Dons will run with two goalkeepers next season as opposed to three. I I I personally can't see three. They haven't run with three goalkeepers since. What from Priest, Essen, and Peter Keir? Yeah, that be the last time they've run with kind of three people competing for that first slot. It just financially, it makes no sense to have three goalkeepers. Aberdeen need every penny they can get reinvested in that squad as a whole. Not, and I think to run with three goalkeepers would be madness. Um, in the in the set especially of with youth academy at the club as well. Exactly. What, what's the point of having it if, <laughs> if you don't have a young guy to, to to step in now and again? If yeah. If They've got high hopes for Tom Ritchie, I think, as well, don't they? Um, I mean, he's been sort of on the on the fringes of things for a while, so it might be the case that you know they, they bring in two goalkeepers that are capable of playing on a, a given week and, and Ritchie maybe gets a, a loan move somewhere um, because I suppose for a young goalkeeper it's quite difficult when you know you're in in and around the the place and you know helping to to prepare the the goalkeeper that's getting the the action, but. You know, there's limited opportunities for yourself. It's uh, it's quite similar to young Ross Monroe up at uh, Ross County in in that sense. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, certainly three senior keepers would be a, a bit of a uh, an unnecessary expense, I would say. It, it's funny because when when I sat and looked at it initially, it was eleven came in last season, eleven, um, and that was just in the first <laughs> the first window. Never mind January. And and by the end of the season, seven of them had gone. And and I'm throwing Christian Ramirez into that list. He's one of the seven, albeit he left a week early. Uh, but Jenks was away before the season was finished. It's it was unbelievable when you look at the turnover. And more frightening, I think you're looking at the same numbers again this summer. Um, every they department need more, needs they need to be, be more successful with the recruitment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, the defenders was the one that stands out for me from what you've written and. What I've had a early sneak peek at that one's going up this evening, but the way I see it is this, and I think that's the way you see it, see it as well. So correct me if I'm wrong. But Calvin Ramsey, he gets sold to Liverpool most likely this summer, and unless they want Ross McCrory to be 
out of midfield and playing at right back half the games next season. That means they need a right back and cover this summer. They definitely need a left back or somebody that can play left back to cover Jack McKenzie unless they want Johnny Hayes to be stuck at left back for half the games next season. And given we've lost Mikey Devlin because he was never fit and you know was released by the club, which is Jim Goodwin's prerogative, a lot of fans probably agreed with that decision. Andy Considine, less so, but they've both gone. So to me, that means do you need to bring in another two centre-halves to replace them as well. I know they've been linked to Charles Dunn and he can play. The benefit of him from St Mirren is that he can play left-back and he can play left-centre-half. But to me, when you think about right-back and cover, you think about another centre-back probably. You're looking at at least three defenders, if not four, if not five maybe this summer. That is, is that achievable? I know you've got centre-backs coming through like Mason Hancock, Evan Towler, really highly rated. Mason Hancock especially is old enough that you look to see him make the step up maybe this season, but it still feels like a big, you know, a big recruitment uh, undertaking they've got this summer, and that's just the defence. Yeah, I mean, I, I, five was the number I had in my head initially. I, I suppose you could whittle it down to four and look at McCrory and go, well, if needs must, we can drop him back to centre half or right back if we like and if they get done he can kind of cover between that two positions as well as and when but it's still <laughs> you're still looking at big holes because as as it's the season finished with McCrory back playing right back which is where the manager doesn't want him and that's only because Ramsey was injured and the only other viable option was Ojo and I think as we've seen I wouldn't ever want to play Funso Ojo at no. right back never that's just not his position but come at this do you think if we come out the summer and they've only signed a replacement for Ramsey at right back and another centre half and they're relying on the likes of McCrory, Youth Academy guys coming through, done to maybe cover a couple of positions as the centre back that comes in? If it was just two signings, that right back and done, you think you think the fans would be pretty um, unhappy with that level of business, yeah. I think they would be wary and they would be worried what happens if we if we lose one or two or a couple of suspensions or whatever. But as, as we're talking about it just now, what's running through my head is, is Jim Goodwin considering going three at the back here? Because then you're freeing up Hayes as a wing-back slash left-back, depending how he, how he sees it when, when tucking in uh, the right-hand side. I'm Maybe McCrory could do that. I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's it's fascinating because all we've been able to judge Jim Goodwin on so far is what can he do differently with the guys he's got, and it's not an awful lot has been the answer to that. So it's what can he now do with his own yeah. guys is what's the we're all waiting to see. We need to move on to midfield, but I suppose one of the things people would say about three at the back is Declan Gallagher showed at Motherwell that and has shown this season playing in a four that. He is far more accomplished in a three, would be safe to say. He looks a different player playing for Scotland or has looked a different player when he's played for Scotland in a three, so that might suit him. Andy, sorry, do you have something? Yeah, I was just um, going to say, I, I, I was aware just before Jim Goodwin uh, moved to Aberdeen, I, I think I'm right in saying that he he changed things at St Mirren. He, he was set on a formation at the beginning of this season. It wasn't working so well and he, he changed it uh, in January which resulted in a far better run of form that, that you know resulted in him getting the, the job. But I can't quite remember whether that was a three that he switched from or a three that he switched to. Well, either way, the, the point is he's, he's certainly shown that he's adaptable and 
you know, probably wouldn't rule anything out in terms of shape, uh, you know, based on what he reckons is necessary for, for next season. Midfield, right. The most interesting thing about the midfield is that at the start of the season, you had about, I don't know, was it eight? Eight <laughs> midfielders? Uh, yeah, but the funny, the funny thing about it, it was so well stocked, but that stock included Scott Brown, Matty Longstaff, Lewis Ferguson, Dylan McGeek, Funza Wojo, now, if Ferguson is sold this summer, as we expect, I mean, even even from January onwards, the, the midfield had a totally different look because you had Pulvara coming in and fair play, he only played towards the end of the season. But you had Connor Barring coming in, McCrory coming back into midfield. So you've already had kind of two central midfields this season with Ferguson being the really only, the only constant really across the campaign. And then you're, you're looking at like a new midfield again next season that'll probably comprise Pulvara, maybe Barron, certainly. But I'm kinda I'm kinda like in McCrory certainly as well. But that third role, the more creative role you need, I'm kinda like I know with the the links, the rumours are Jamie McGrath, formerly of St Mirren, Connor Ronan proves at St Mirren on loan. This season from Wolves. That feels like it's an either or sort of situation. They're similar sort of creative number ten sort of players. And I th- I'm I'm almost thinking, is it like one of them and one other? One other is that enough for Aberdeen? So that's two, two more signings. Possibly, but I, I think he wants both of them. I genuinely think he wants both Ronan and McGrath because um, he needs attacking options. And if if you only have one, and then something happens to him or he's off for him, what do you do to change it? Because his only other option really is Marley Watkins. I know he's finished the season leading the line, but Marley isn't. An out and out number nine. He's not a striker. He's he's the creator guy. The, that number ten that we're talking about, and maybe maybe I, I don't know. I don't even know if I would play Marley out wide. And he the guy, the Marley Watkins. So I think he's more of a support striker. Yes, though, but the Marley Watkins who played like for Inverness was the terrific. one that rumbles them up. He, he was terrific at Cali Thistle. When his first spell at Aberdeen, he was very good, and then their season dropped off a cliff when he got injured in the I think it was the Scottish Cup semi final against Celtic which ended up being his last game, I think, and that was him away. He's not been the same since he came back, maybe because he hadn't played an awful lot and he's been troubled by niggling injuries. Get him going, and, and that's a great addition to the squad, but he's got to have the right guys round about him because it's been too pedestrian. Okay, but yeah, so but if 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 they got Ronan and they got McGrath, yeah, is is that enough? Do you, do you think that's enough in midfield? Midfield feels like the bit, the bit for me that maybe... It's almost there, although there is more creativity needed, as you say. But attackers, you know, when we look at the attackers, and it's a problem they've had all season long. As you said with Watkins, he's not an out-and-out striker. They have only really had one out-and-out striker this season. They've only scored 36 league goals, which is woeful. Christian Ramirez got, what, 10 of those in the league? 11 of those in the league? Yeah, I think it was 10 in the league and it was 11 for Ferguson, I think. Yeah, I mean, it feels like when you talk about attackers in inverted commas, it feels like in terms of wide men with options like Watkins can play there. Bezewin obviously was a big outlay and he's shown that he's in the right team. He could be a real asset to Aberdeen. He's shown that he's got talent. Johnny Hayes can still play out wide. I I feel like, if you know, they probably would like additions all across the attack this summer. And every club does every summer, every January. But if it was a toss-up between bringing in wide men and bringing in out-and-out strikers, ideally you'd have Ramirez still there next season because he's shown he's good when he was, you know, playing at the start of the season. 
and you have maybe like two backup different kind of options to him. Is that fair enough? Yes, but I mean, the, the forward line and the defence are the two biggest areas of concern for me. But certainly, I mean, we've, we're, we're stuck. We've been stuck in the Aberdeen need more strikers since January. In fact, you could argue we've been stuck in that since January, Last tw- January. 2021. And they brought in three guys who, between the three of them, contributed a sum total of three goals, I think. And um, so in Camberry, Hornby and uh, Hendry, they need more and they need better quality than, than what they've got. Ramirez can still do a job, but let's be honest, we don't know if he even wants to be here, despite what the manager is saying publicly, because I I still cannot, for the life of me, get my head around how you can, one, tell your player, look, you're looking a bit jaded, why don't you go home a week early? And, I mean, I'm not a, f- a professional footballer, but if I was Christian Ramirez, I would have taken that as a slight and gone, no, I'm a team player. I'll show you. I'm still here, Gaffer. I'll play the last two games. Don't worry about me. The fact that he was quite happy to take that on board and go up the road or on the plane back over the Atlantic. It's terrible. Yeah, and I mean, if he if he decides he's he's wanting to go, by my by my logic, that's three strikers they need to sign to be well endowed with strikers for next season. Which, if the last few transfer windows are anything to go by, uh, that seems that's the Everest of this situation. I know there's a lot of defenders needing signed, but to find three strikers of sufficient quality on Aberdeen's budget, when every other team is looking for, you know, every other team that works in the same markets is looking for three strikers as well, or, uh, you know, you know, it's the most in-demand position, goal scorers. It is, and it needs major uh, investment. It's worrying. It needs major investment again, and, and, and that's a worry, because you're looking at the chairman, uh, whatever faults he might have, I mean, he, he wants the best, and he's been quite happy to put his hand in his pocket since he became chairman. He's going to have to do it again if he wants this team to be challenging where he thinks it should be. Um, and what, what I mean, it's funny because when whatever happens, if you go back to 12 months ago, Aberdeen had four players signed for this season already on board. Gary Woods had signed a pre-contract, as had Gallagher, Scott Brown and J. Emmanuel Thomas. They were all signed up on pre-contract agreements by middle of May. Here we are in nothing's happened yet nothing so they really need to get their skates on whatever department they're looking to get in and reinforced first i suppose the argument would be look how those pre-contracts would have worked out over the course of this season but yes we'll come back then the dawn's transfer window business will hopefully kick off soon and we'll come back at the start of the season and against i think the 11 signings they've need to they need to make number that we've set out here 10 11 depends on christian Ramirez, really doesn't it We'll, we'll see how many they've got in by the time the League Cup starts. What Anyone got any guesses about how many... By the time the League Cup starts, how many signings will Aberdeen have made? What's that, a month from now? Month from, two months? July 9th. July 9th is the first game. So I'll I'll go 8. 8 in. And then you'll get your loans. I'll come in about August. Then. I was going to say... I was, I was going to go more more modest than that. 6 or 7 maybe. <laughs> Some of these can take time. Uh, you're always scratching about at the end of August uh, for those loan signings. And maybe... <clears throat> things that have been identified in the the opening games because you know we're not really going to know for sure. Um, I, I remember last season it became apparent they'll have to forfeit the opening games at this rate. <laughs> it became apparent, you know, quite early on last season when Considine was injured that you know Aberdeen were very short of defensive options and that's what necessitated David Bates coming in at the eleventh hour. So uh, you'll always get little you know parts that'll that'll come together later on. 
remember too, Ryan, that number goes up if you sell Ramsey and Ferguson. <laughs> no, no, no. I, they were they were in my thinking. Well, those not two. In mine. That was that was my my numbers were worked out that way. I'm going to say by the time the league cup starts, Aberdeen have made five permanent signings. It's low. It's low. Anyway, anyway. Right, let's move on. We need to discuss Ross County and Inverness, and we've already talked for 25 minutes solidly. So after this break, we'll be back with how the Dundee United fans ruined Ross County's end-of-season celebration. Northern Goal is brought to you in association with Aberdeen Sports Village. With memberships to suit all ages, Aberdeen Sports Village is for everyone in the community. I'm there all the time to interview athletes, play football on the indoor pitches, swim or use the gym. But you can also dive, choose from over 100 exercise classes, play racket sports, chill in the sauna and steam room, run on the athletics track and more. Achieve your goals at Aberdeen Sports Village. Search for Aberdeen Sports Village online for more information. Right, okay, Andy, I maybe, you know, I was maybe being a bit extreme there, or was I? Ross County obviously lost to Dundee United on the final day in a game that was interrupted a couple of times by United fans spilling onto the pitch. And why wouldn't they? They had, of course, secured the coveted fourth place. So why not throw a heap of flares on the pitch and, you know, have a swing on the crossbar, take bits of the turf home? What an achievement. Uh, but yeah, was was the celebration ruined for the Staggies fans that had... After a good season of their own, had gathered to you know thank their team, applaud their team, which a team that will be breaking up now and you know has already started to break up. I thought it was a bit over the top. I have to say, um, it was just the disruption was a bit of a pain in the backside throughout the game. Um, I mean, the kickoff was delayed by six minutes in the first place because of flares that came onto the pitch to begin with, and um, you know that that happened again after United equalised. You know, it, it takes the stewards time to to go and get these off the park, and you know they're pretty scorching hot. They they make a terrible stain on the the park. Uh, I know it's the last game of the season, but you know, as as stewards are are out clearing these up, there's there's more getting launched on, which are not missing by them by that much. So, um, it, it just it felt a bit unnecessary. We've we've seen quite a lot of you know pyrotechnics at games this season, and you don't mind the odd one here or there. It was just when when they were a constant stream of them, and and then and of course running onto the the park after after the late winter, the fans were then kind of gathered back into the uh, the the away stand before they all piled out again after full time. It, it it just took a bit of the the gloss off the the day, I would say. Um, you certainly you had United players. Tony Watt was pretty, you know, condemning of it. Uh, Kevin McDonald picked up an injury among the, um, you know, the crowds that that went onto the park. So, yeah, I, I can get the fact that United fans were in jovial mood, but it just it wasn't really. It, it made it less enjoyable for for the rest of the the fans that were just there to enjoy the game. And uh, from a reporting point of view, I just found it a bit of a, a pain in the in the backside, as I say. Duncan Shearer wouldn't have any complaints, did he? Duncan Shearer in his column was like, "Ah, nobody was ever admitted to hospital with a toilet roll injury, were they?" Um, he was, he was, he was. Look, remember Wembley and all that. He was, he was very uh, <laughs> accepting of it. It'll be interesting to see uh, what happens uh, 
I know we're talking about Ross County, but if Carly Thistle pull off the dream promotion win on, on Monday night in Perth, what will happen at full time there? But I mean, that, that's maybe a slightly more justifiable, justifiable pitch invasion. And to be fair, I don't think anyone was saying the toilet rolls did hurt anybody. It was more the, you know, more the Dundee United fans trampling their own player and uh, throwing pyrotechnics onto the pitch. But I mean, people will say, you know, you can't win in this argument because people will say you're just a, you're a boring old fart if you, you know, complain about things like this. I'm getting anyway, on. yes, <laughs> Blair. Andy had a night out on Saturday and it was probably delayed and that's the, the most important thing uh, Blair Spittle, he has departed the club he was obviously pretty um, non-committal on his future when you in- interviewed him after the game he's been there for three years I think Blair Spittle will be a big miss I'm sure but is he, you know, how how big a miss is he going to be and who do you think could be next to confirm their Ross County exit? Just to confirm, it was dinner in Ollipool that I had booked at six o'clock, so that's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, no, to, to go to Blair Spittle, um, yeah, no, he will be a miss. Um, you know, it was pretty apparent from speaking to him at the, the game. He didn't say it in his own words, but it wasn't weren't the words of a, a man that was sounding like he was hanging about, um, which is disappointing for, for Ross County because... He's made a, a big impact this season in particular. Hasn't all been plain sailing for him during his three years there. He, he he signed when they were promoted back to the Premiership and didn't feature too much. He was then loaned back to Partick Thistle last season. And it wasn't until John Hughes came in towards the end of the campaign that he, he, he kind of got back into the fold and finished the season really strongly. He was, you know, a big uh, factor in them staying up. And, you know, with... The rebuild that that took place last summer, he was given, you know, a pretty key and central role to Malky Mackay's team. Uh, he just sort of carried on his momentum into the the new season. Um, he he doesn't have the same sort of uh, explosive pace and flair that uh, that Regan Charles Cook and Joseph Hungbo have, but you know he's he's certainly a, a very effective option in the the sort of attacking part of midfield. Uh, chips in with a good number of goals. He scored a fantastic strike on on Saturday, which uh, was his last goal for the club. But you know he was involved in a lot of moments prior to that, where you know County were were threatening. So no, he'll be a big loss. I I only suspect that he, he maybe fancies going back closer to to home down in the Central Belt, and I'm sure he would he would have a lot of options, uh, you know, from pre- fellow Premiership clubs down there, but. Um, yeah, I mean he's he's the first one that's been confirmed. Obviously, seven, sorry, six loan players are are moving on as well. But uh, uh, you know the futures of Regan Charles Cook, Harry Payton, and Alex Yakoviti are still up in the air. And uh, just with the time that passes, um, now the season is finished. I, I I don't suspect that that any of them will will probably hang about. Uh, if I'm being honest. Um, I think silence is always the worst thing in these situations, isn't it? Silence and time passing, as as was proven, I suppose, by the the Contadine situation at Aberdeen. Yeah, and particularly when you know County have been in dialogue with these guys for a while, and a number of players have already committed their future. Um, look at guys like Connor Randall, Keith Watson, uh, Ross Callaghan, who was already under contract for next year. Jordan White, Jordan Tilson. So there, there is a framework being being built there, which they didn't really have last season it was all very much up in the air and you know a lot of these guys weren't 
weren't key players uh, last season. Regan Charles Cook's the the prime example of that, and you know it's some of the the more surprising kind of players that were kept on maybe that um, that have become central to to what County have done this season. There were eyebrows raised at some of the players that left, but um, you know they they obviously had quite a clear vision as to what they wanted to achieve with their, their rebuild and 12 months down the line you you have to say that it um, it was a bold move but but one that's fully paid off have a bit of gratitude am i right andy jokes uh <laughs> anyway yeah the loanee is obviously chief among them the one the one that i think everyone's everyone's favorite joseph hungbo as you mentioned already any chance of seeing him back do you think maybe one for the dons third year i'll take him yeah <laughs> well i mean hungbo is actually only 22 he's he's a good bit younger than than Regan Charles Cook so you know he's going to go back to to Watford who've just been relegated from the Premier League and yeah you know Watford will certainly have been delighted with what they've seen from afar uh, this season and uh, you know there will be a plan put in place for for Joseph Hungbo I mean I had a feeling that you know of all the lone players you know it's the Hungbo would be the one that maybe Roy wanted to make a real statement, could really push the boat out to to try and get on on board and on a long term basis. But I I get the feeling that that Hungbo will be quite uh, quite set on that uh, that ambition of of trying to break into the Watford team and, and progress his career to the highest level in, in England. And as I say, given his age, he's got the time on his hands to to do that. Um, but yeah, the, to summarise the rest of the the lone players, there there have been. You know, mixed successes. Uh, Jake Vokens has come on to a good game at left back, having missed the start of the, the season through injury. Um, Ashley Maynard Brewer was a, a good goalkeeping option, although I think Ross Laidlaw has been, um, you, you know, very impressive since he came back into the, the team. Um, you know, a lot of fans would argue that he was unfortunate to lose his place in the in, in the first instance. Um, you know, guys like Jack Burrows and Declan Drysdale haven't featured so much but uh you know they've, they've provided you know options when when required so um i think well i mean county will probably bring more loan players in next season they've, they seem to have a good network of of contacts down south uh but i think there there will be a, an attempt to try and, and get more uh players signed on a permanent basis um and one i'm quite excited about seeing um you know with the uh the benefit of a, a full pre-season is Josh Sims, who's come in from Southampton, and you know he's the same age as uh, Regan Charles Cook. And presuming he moves on, uh, you know, I suppose you look at Josh Sims' starting point in his career, and you know he's come from a, a far sort of higher level than than what Charles Cook was prior to to being at uh, at Dingwall. So if uh, you know if Ross County can get Josh Sims. To anywhere near the the sort of level that he was at um, prior to, you know, a lot of the, uh, you know, the health problems that he had latterly at Southampton, then they'll be really excited about what what they can, uh, you know, benefit from uh, from from him next season. All right. Well, Ross County as well as Aberdeen, a lot of rebuilding. Um, just don't know to quite the extent it will be at Ross County, but there's still going to be quite a significant amount of work to do in the transfer window but let's move on after this short break to Cali Thistle who are still active this season 
Paul Chalk, you were there at Arbroath for the second leg of the Premiership Playoffs semi-final on Friday night. It wasn't a game for the purists. It was um, the first half, especially, was I would I would go as far as say diabolical. The ball was, you know, it was windy, of course, and it's difficult in the wind. Arbroath were shelling it at Calithisol. Calithisol were shelling it back, but a bit less, you know, ability to get the ball to travel because of the wind. But yeah, it was there weren't a lot of passes sticking and then obviously the second half there was it descended in a bit of a farce with sendings off injuries um another injury then we had extra time Cali Thistle somehow made it that far but to get to get all the way to penalties to especially in the, the end of extra time when they were really clinging on at points it showed a lot of grit and a lot of determination that was something Earlier in the season, we were certainly saying, well, Cali Thistle, they can play, but they, they don't have a lot of steel about them. They tend to give up leads, things like that. But to get through, to get to the penalties, to win the penalty shootout was pretty impressive. And they've now got the, kind of, the two-legged shootout, the, the two-legged cup final against St. Johnson for a chance to reach the top flight again. Yeah, I mean, the night itself was quite incredible. The way it panned out, the first half was forgettable. Uh, I was sitting at half time wondering how Calithas were quite going to manage this. One thing I will say is Arbroath have had a, an incredible season and they deserve every credit for being runners up in, in that division. But three times Calithas have been down at Gayfield and they haven't conceded a goal over the three ninety minutes and extra time and those incredible circumstances where they were at down to eight men in, in some occasions uh, when Kirk Broadfoot was also getting treatment in, in the sidelines. So, um, yeah, Cali Thistle have shown that they can dig deep as well as play football. Uh, they have, at times, you're quite right, Ryan, in terms of squandered leads earlier in, in the season, especially during that three-month spell where they couldn't win a match. But they've also shown the other side of it where they've been behind and turned games around in one matches um, uh, players are fighting for Billy Dodds I know it was questionable at times fans were during that the, the bleak winter asking whether uh, this could be turned around and could Cali Thistle be a promotion force I think the players have responded they've shown that and uh, one defeat in 12 uh, is exactly the form you need when you're getting into a playoff final and they're, they're looking to make history now no team that's finished third or fourth in the championship has gone all the way to be successful and uh, to be honest I think St Johnston are um, the ideal opponents for Calithus I hope I'm not on here next week uh, eating my words but I, I really do think St Johnston are a team who don't impress me they don't score goals um, and you know I, if Calithus were at it they, they, they've got a real chance of coming through this. How big a chance is there of Cali Thistle being at it, given the exertions of last week, given the fact that they were already missing players, big players through injury, and now they're going to be without Danny Devine. His red card appeal uh, was unsuccessful. They're going to be without Wallace Duffy, who was also sent off for two bookings, and Shane Sutherland looks to have a pretty gnarly knee injury. I don't think we've had any confirmation yet of how severe that is, but he, I think, barring a sort of a Christ-like miracle, will miss the, the Premiership playoff final to both legs. Um, it seems like it's a big recovery job for Cali Thistle, and will will have been since last weekend. Um, do we do we think they're going to be firing it? 80%, 90%, 100%. What's, what's yeah. the rating? Yeah, they need to be close to 100, don't they? You're quite right. I mean, that's been the big question, speaking to 
players and former players this week. Ross Tokley in, in, in the PNJ this this week is saying exactly that. You know what they're going to be left with with the time we kick off on Friday. Danny Devine is a. A big loss for Friday night, there's absolutely no doubt about it. At least he's back for the game in McDermott Park. But it's not a huge reshuffle there um, in terms of Robbie Dees is um, naturally a, a centre-half, so he'll just slot into Danny's position alongside Kirk Broadfoot. Um, you've got Davy Carson at right back, and I think uh, you know Cammy Harper will, will fit in well in his usual kind of left-back slot that he, he had before Dees took over so it's not a major reshuffle but they're, they're skating on ice it won't be it wouldn't be much though to put them in real problems in, in this tie they can't afford any red cards thankfully Willie Collum's not the ref on Friday so they've got a chance um, you know they've got a, 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 a slimmed down bench as well uh, so they need a little bit of luck on their side as, as well as playing well just Make sure there are no uh, unnecessary cautions early in this match so that there are no red cards and, and, and come through it. But on paper, it's still a strong starting 11 that Billy Dodds has got. And, you know, they, they've been doing the business. So um, uh, but you're right to point out Shane Sutherland. I will get news later on uh, today. This is uh, Thursday as we speak at the moment. We'll speak to Billy Dodds th- this afternoon. Uh, we don't expect that Shane Sutherland will be a, a quick recovery at all. It looks like a serious knee injury. So he has been terrific, especially during these playoffs. Uh, Shane, in the build-up even to the playoffs, has been put more on the right side, really supportive, uh, great assists, uh, but also scoring goals as well. And in fact, he's the top uh, league goal scorer for Cali Thistle, taking over from Billy McKay. So he he's a big miss. But they they've got uh, you know Austin Samuels, who's starting to show form. He's got two playoff goals as as well. Um, so there are just about enough options uh, for Cali Thistle to get through this. Yeah, can't afford any more injuries. Not on. on. Sutherland, I suppose the 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 big the best barometer of an injury and how serious it is is always if a player, you know, goes down when they're kind of running on their own outside of contact. Those are the injuries that always prove to be the worst ones. But hopefully, hopefully there's a, yeah there is a miracle and it's not as bad as it first looked. But anyway, that concludes this week's episode of Northern Goal. Thanks to Andy, Paul, and Paul for joining me today. Cheers, guys. Thank you, Dan. Welcome. Thank you. If you liked this episode, you can subscribe on your favourite podcast app. You can email us any questions or queries at northerngoal.bc2media.co.uk. And finally, yeah, enjoy the playoff final. Come on, Cali Thistle. Cheers. Hope you loved the episode. And if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.